Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Okay, you sound robust today. I like that. Well, we're going to continue in our series uh, masterclass. We're going through certain devotions over a four-week period. Uh, last week was uh, prayer. Today, we're going to cover worship, and um, next week is silence slash solitude, and then we'll finish up with fasting. So these are uh, really important um, pieces of our regular spiritual disciplines of our life that help us to continue growth in Jesus and things like that. Now, before I, I get into this message, uh, let me do that pre-verse that I always do. I choose a verse for a few weeks, and we go through it and teach you one little thing each week about it, and it's Hebrews 4.12. So would you all please read it with me, yes or no? Yes. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, good. Here we go. One, two, three. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, last week, I talked about it. The Word of God is living, it's alive, and it's active. It's moving, baby. But now I want you to look at that verse. It's sharper, and it's sharper than a two-edged, double-edged sword. And the sword means a short sword, like a dagger-type sword. And it's piercing. Now, I want to focus on the word piercing today because it's living, it's active, this word of God, but it's piercing. It literally means it's penetrating. That when you and I share this word of God, when we read the word of God, when we hear the word of God, when we sing the word of God in worship, it begins to penetrate our heart. Now, with that said, Isaiah, whom we will study today, a certain text of his, he will make a statement, he will write in Isaiah 55, 11, that the word of God, when it goes forward, it never, ever returns void. Any amens on that? So what it means is, as you share it, the person you're sharing with, it may look by all appearances that your words are not penetrating at all. They might even be antagonistic to the word of God you are sharing. But you can't go by outward appearance, correct? And I'll tell you why. Isaiah says it never returns void. It accomplishes what it sets out to do. But think about outward appearance and the word of God. We have a New Testament guy by the name of Paul who couldn't stand Christians job was exterminate Christians he murdered Christians and that guy was a guy that was so anti-Christianity but what's interesting about him is that when he became a Christian he preaches a message there's a message in there and if you look at that message that he preaches and you back up a bit in Acts and you compare it with a message that he heard before he was a Christian when Stephen was preaching and they stoned Stephen to death and Paul was guarding the coach, remember that? Well, you find that the messages are very similar. So even though he was antagonistic towards the gospel, obviously 
it did penetrate. Obviously, it did get in. And the Word of God does that. And he turns around and preaches a very similar message to the one he heard when he was totally against Christianity, totally against the gospel. So never, ever be detoured when you share this gospel of ours that Jesus, that he was crucified, that he was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. Never, ever go by outward experience or outward appearance, I should say, because you know like you, you're like me and I'm like you. When people shared with me, I was very antagonistic toward the God. I didn't want to hear it. I wanted nothing to do with it. Anyone remember those days in your life? I wanted nothing. Only two of us were antagonistic. Okay. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you didn't want to hear it? I didn't want to hear it. And yet, it was penetrating and penetrating and penetrating until finally I gave my life to the Lord, 23 years old, and the rest is history. And so never doubt that the Word of God cannot penetrate in a person's life. Now, with that said, we're going to talk on worship, this thing that we do as followers of Christ. I want to share a few introductory comments about it before I get into Isaiah chapter 6 and give you three points. The first thing I want to share with you is that worship, it's needed. You need to worship, you, you, and you need to worship the right thing, meaning Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. Because the psalmist writes in 115, around verses 3 through 8, he writes, and he's talking about idolatry. You know, they make these idols, they have ears that don't hear, eyes that don't see. And then he finishes off by saying, those who make them become like them. Simply put, whatever you and I worship, we become like. And so therefore, worship is needed, but worshiping the right thing. You and I need to worship Jesus Christ. Because whatever we worship, we become like. Would you say amen to that one? Worship is also common. It's very common. Did you know, not just Christians, but every human on the planet worships something? Am I whistling? Am I whistling out there? Man, it must be I'm getting older or something like that. Okay, you just have to live with it, all right? You're, everybody's going to worship something, and everybody does. Everybody does. In fact, Paul, who I mentioned earlier, the writer, New Testament writer, in Romans 1 says that the big problem in our society, in our culture, whenever you see things upside down, it's a problem. And it's rooted in the fact that people have rejected the worship of God, and they worship themselves or they worship the creatures. In other words, things that have been created. Our God is outside of creation, is the creator. Any amens of that? And so everybody's worshiping something. Everybody is. You say, not me. Yeah, yeah, you really are. You really are. Everybody is. So it's very common to worship something. But worship, the third thing I want to just quickly be, tell you is worship is desired. People, some people, maybe all of us, I don't know, we like to be worshipped. Do we not? Do we not? Yes, we do. I mean, all you have to do, and I'll throw this out to some of you, this is not the only example, but we do live in a society that worships image. Image is the idolatry of today, correct? Do you see that? But you take one little aspect. How many of us in this room don't raise your hand? If you don't get enough likes on your social media, how do you feel? Yeah, right? Well, last time I had 27, I got 23 today. You know, what, what are you really saying? I want to be worshipped. I want people to tell me how great I am. 
So we do worship ourselves. We do worship many things. So it is desire. Now, let me finish my comments by saying this. That yes, worship is singing to God. And uh, the New Testament says that we offer up the fruit of lips. Praise, it's praise to God. So worship is singing. But it's not only that, is it? We worship God in everything we do as a follower of Christ. We worship Him in how we carry ourselves. We worship Him on the joy that we reflect or don't reflect. We worship Him in how we treat our spouse. We worship Him in how we handle our finances. We worship Him in how we treat other people. See, Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 16, Sermon on the Mount, put it up there, please. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may what? See your, my, your and mine, good works and do what? Glorify your Father who is in? In heaven. We're to live in a way, gospel-wise, New Testament-wise, in that people see this and it offers up glory and worship and adoration to God in heaven. So it's very important how we carry ourselves. So worship is this really big deal. Now we're going to zoom in on a worship service that Isaiah finds himself in. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. And worship is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's like intense in this chapter where Isaiah finds himself. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles or however you look at it on your phone, whatever, Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to give you a little bit of commentary then I'm going to take you to three points. I'll come down and we'll, we'll get into this thing. But let me take you to four, four, four verses, okay? Does that sound like a plan? Then we'll drive it home. Now, in verse 1, here's Isaiah. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. So he's catching this vision of God. Lofty and exalted with the train of his robe, filling the temple. Now, Isaiah is catching this vision. He's kind of raptured into this situation. And King Uzziah, he says, the year it's happening is the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was a good king in Israel, did a lot of good things. Now, for those of you who know your Bible, you know that King Uzziah made one big blunder near the end of his life, and that was a big mistake, but all the rest of it was really, really good. But you think about when a good king dies, somebody did a lot of right things, now all of a sudden, there's going to be an uneasiness in the people because who's coming next and what's going to happen next? So it, it kind of tells us that, um, that, like in our lives, how many of you know that your life can be going really good and life can turn in a moment, right? Things can happen like health situations, financial situations, relationship situations. It can just take a turn south that fast. And so it can really send an uneasiness into our life. Now here's the deal, guys, as a follower of Christ. Isaiah is experiencing some of this because the king died but now he's been raptured into a situation where he's looking and he's seeing and he's experiencing the real king of the universe amen which tells him that even though on an earthly perspective it's chaotic things are not going right but God is still on the throne of your life and my life any amens on that one right there now if you can get that one and buy into that truth it will help you go through whatever turbulence that you and I go through. That no matter what, God still has control of our lives. Amen to that one? Now, <clears throat> verse 2. Seraphim stood above him. 
each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Now, these, a seraphim, it's an angel, and it literally means burning ones. Now, very quickly, it's not a teaching on angels or the spiritual realm in this respect. A seraphim is, in my, my biblical way I view this, is same thing as a cherubim, which is an angel also. There are some scholars who think they're two different things. I kind of go with the scholars that go that the seraphim and the cherubim are, are pretty much the same thing. It just means burning ones. But they're angels is what they are. Now, verse 3. And one called out to another and said... Here's what the angels are saying. Here's the throne of God. Isaiah's in the worship service, and, he, and they're saying this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, when they say holy, 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 the word comes from the root word apartness. Now, and by the way, side note, holy, 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 as we'll find out later, the, there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So holy, holy, holy. Do you see that right there? We'll see more of that in a, a few minutes down the road here. So they're, they're saying these things here, holy, 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 uh, and, and all this worship is taking place. Now I want to point out some, uh, a, a cool thing right here about God and His character. Um, they're, they see God and you see holy, holy, holy and he's in, on the throne well, that's God's transcendence he's distinct and he's above us amen he's transcendent but notice at the end of verse 3 it says the whole earth is full of his glory that's his eminence in other words he's here right now so he is both transcendent distinct and above us and he's eminent he's here right now those are the two different, those are two different character qualities of God, which it's very important to know the character qualities of God, because that's why you worship God, according to his character qualities and, and who he is. Now, verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. That's an important statement. Because as the Israelites traveled through the desert on the way to the promised land, guess what led them? A pill of fire and smoke, that cloud. The cloud, when it moved, they knew to move, then follow the cloud. That was God leading them. They knew, or Moses knew, when the cloud came down in the tabernacle, God wanted to talk to Moses. So this is how they knew. So now you see the, what's called the Shekinah glory of God now filling up the temple. So now this worship experience, this is really an intense worship experience as, as they're experiencing right here. Isaiah's caught up in it. And now I want to share like three things from this experience that we'll take from the text. I'm coming down here in a minute. And um, I want to give them to you. Now, remember this. Everything I'm going to say is in the context of Isaiah in a worship experience. Isaiah is worshiping. He's part of it. Now, I want you to see what happens to this guy because the same thing can happen to you and I. The same benefits can happen to us. Okay? So three things. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing we see is awareness. There's an awareness in Isaiah's life. Now, watch verse five. And it says this. Then I said, this is Isaiah speaking, then I said, woe is me, for I am what? I'm ruined. 
because I am a man of unclean lips. Next part of it, please. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Right? Right? Okay, he's in the worship experience. And now he says, my eyes have seen. Now, we know that we cannot see God the Father. He's invisible, correct? Just theologically, just for their sake. But he does see the, the cloud, the Shekinah glory, and he does see a throne. So you can figure that out for yourself right there. And that's not my teaching for today. But so there's an awareness. Now, I want you to think now. He's in a worship experience. This is very important. And as he's in the worship experience, he says, my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord, Right? So he's, he's probing deeper into God. So two things I want to tell you about this. I want you to think about intimacy and recognition. Recognize. Let's go intimacy. He's there worshiping, and he can now intimately, he's having an intimate experience with God. Would you agree? Because his eyes have seen the glory of God. He has seen God is what's happening here. Now, in our day and age, people confuse sex with intimacy in marriage, do they not? There is some of it that crosses over, but intimacy is a whole nother ball game. That's where you get to know the person that you're married to. You dialogue. And this keeps growing deeper and deeper as you age. Olivia and I were at lunch the other day, and we had a very deep conversation about our lives. And we let our lives out. And that just and we've been married 40 some years. And so you allow this, you have to cultivate these things. It's got to keep growing. And I mean, deep things in our life. And so we grow that. We grow it because now what's happening is that person is getting to know the real you. Now, when you do that, marriage does not devolve into some just, I want to be close to you when we're going to have sex, which I'm sure we could get a number of complaints in this room, but I don't want to know, okay? Just keep it to yourself. But the reason why it's growing bad, possibly, is because you're not communicating. You're not sharing any depth of life with that person you're married to. Now, he is experiencing God on an intimate level. And when he does, now recognition. He recognizes something. And he says, as I see God, I know that I am a man of unclean lips. And he says, woe is me, for I am ruined. The idea there is undone. He knows that there's pieces of his life that are not right, that are not complete, that are not finished, that are not fixed. Now, this is what, what, what it means right here. It means when I see God clearly and I measure myself with God, I don't measure up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? That's worship. So I'm at the gym a couple weeks ago, and you guys can tell. I'm I do go to the gym regularly, okay? And I'm walking through LA Fitness, and somebody says, Jimmy. When I hear Jimmy and not Jim, I know something about that person right now. I know that they have known me since we either either in elementary school or junior high or high school or right outside of high school, but not when I became a Christian. Because when I became a Christian, all of a sudden everybody started calling me Jim. I like Jimmy. It sounds younger. <laughs> but he says, Jimmy. And I turn. And I look at this person. 
Now you got to remember, they're my age. I don't, you know, I don't know they, when I first turned on, who is this person? But I look at them and you know, when you haven't seen someone in years of life and you've aged, they don't quite look the same anymore. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're looking at them like, uh, I know you? Because the first thing is you're noticing that, well, their hair color is not quite the same as it used to be. You know, it's kind of like white and gray now. And, and then you notice that, well, there's not as much hair on this person as a normal human being. And you start, and then you notice if it's this case, you go, there is no hair on this human being, you know. And you start to think, who is this human being, you know? I know they know me. And then because it was a guy, the other thing you're looking at is the waistline. Any amens, guys? <laughs> the physical shape, because we are at the gym, right? And, you know, because we, remember we used to have 30-inch waistlines? Raise your hand, somebody, please. Remember that? And now you go, <gasps> remember you know how you do it now? But here's the cool thing about guys. This is what guys get away with. A guy can still wear a 30-inch waistline belt <laughs> and have a belly that goes out like that and comes right. How many guys know that's the coolest thing in the world, right? You can get away with it. You can get away with it. And so I'm looking. I go, who is it? And I'm staring, and I'm staring at this person, and finally it hits me as I'm just looking at them and looking, and they're looking at me, and I'm feeling stupid now. And I go, oh, I know it. Robbie! And he goes, yeah. And we just, and we started talking. We had a good conversation because we played football together. He was my big old fullback. I used to hand off the ball to him when I didn't want to run at anybody. But, I, but his name was Robbie. Now, here's the deal. I figured out who he was because I turned when he said the name and I looked at him. Ralph, I'll use you. And I looked at him and I looked at him by the way, you have more hair than him, Ralph. And I looked at him, and then it hit me. Because I probed deeper and deeper and deeper, and I looked at him until it finally hit Oh, I, I know who he is. Do you know when you worship, if you do it right, if you come in here or in your car and you come with the right attitude, and you focus on the words in that song, and not like, well, I don't like this song. Well, tough. <laughs> Is your Christianity your option, whatever you want? But if you focus and you sing those words and you zoom into God and you're not looking at, well, who's playing guitar today? That you will catch a glimpse of God if you focus on those words that, are, that you are singing. And you're going to become very aware. There'll be an awareness come about you of the greatness of God. And then there'll be a recognition that you're not so great. My friend Robbie, when he came to air, I beat him, man. I won that battle when I saw him. But guess what? Robbie is not the person I measure my life against. Because I could easily measure my life against other people and think I'm better than them. I'll find an area of weakness in somebody else where I'm better than you. And you will do the same to me. And then we think we're okay in an area when we're not. Because we're not measuring by the right measure. When you worship God and you're zoomed and you focused in, it becomes an awareness, an intimacy, and you begin to recognize, I don't, I'm, I'm ruined. This area of my life is ruined. And the Spirit of God will start to prompt and prompt. And like, I got to fix, these are things I got to fix in my life. 
Forget about me coming and saying, I don't like what he said there. I don't like this in the church. Stop that. You will never grow. God wants you, to, you and me to grow. Now, awareness. Now, where do we go from there? Isaiah 2, number 2. There's transformation. So he's in this worship service. There is an awareness. There is this intimacy. There is recognition. And now there's transformation. Now watch verse 6 and verse 7. Let's see what he says right here. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. Remember, seraphim means burning ones. Burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my what? My lips, my mouth. With it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forget oh whoa 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 what the cool thing is he doesn't scream oh that burn he didn't say that so there's this kind of thing going on there maybe it's typology maybe but he's forgiven of sin he realizes there's something in his life that must be fixed and it has to do with his lips it has to do with what he says it has to do with what comes out of his heart and things he's saying and he knows it now and he confesses, I, I'm a mess here. This area's a mess. Now, and, and so now the transformation comes. Your sin's forgiven. Now I'm gonna give you three things not in your notes that I want to share with you in this whole transaction, if I could. First, let me help some people in this room on the first thought. Where did the angel touch him with the coal, the hot coal? Where did he touch him? Come on. Right there. Question. Did he touch him also all over his body? Oh, just his lips. Right? Okay. Let me ask you all a question. How many of you in this room, be honest, because by being honest, you'll help yourself and you'll help somebody else. As a follower of Christ, when you sin, when you mess up, you honestly feel like your whole life is wrong. Oh, your Christianity's bad. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Raise it up high. Keep it up. Keep it up. Look around, everybody. You're not the only insane person in this room. I always have you raise your hand so you could see you're not the only one. This is a common tactic of the devil. Now listen closely. Those who raise their hand and those who didn't raise their hand but wish you could have raised your hand. I... God only burns away the area where there's sin. In other words, the rest of Isaiah's life is pretty good, huh? See, when you think, because I've sinned, my whole life is bad, you believe the lie. It's just that one area that needed to be fixed, that needed to be cleansed. But the rest of your life is good. Didn't Jesus say at the Last Supper to Peter, when he's washing Peter's feet, Peter says, wash my whole body as well, not just my feet. And Jesus says... He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet to be totally clean. What's he saying? He's saying, once you're a believer, you're justified. You're completely clean. All your sins are forgiven. And you only have to confess that one area where you have sinned and that, you know, like dirty feet, and you wash that, and you're, but you're fine. But you're fine. They only burn his lips. That was the area. And in your life, it's an area. It's not your whole life. Did that help you right now? Did that help you? You don't have to beat yourself up anymore and feel like everything is so bad and that God must not like you. No, stop that thought. Now, let me give you another thought of, of, of this whole um, transformation. 
When he burns his lips, he moves Isaiah from being stuck in a certain way to unstuck. Would you agree? Would you agree? It's in a worship service. Remember that? Okay, moving from stuck to unstuck. Let me unstick some of you right now. Jesus, he makes a statement. It's really important, and you've got to listen to this one. It's during the, the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, around verse 22, 23, somewhere in there. And he, he says, look, you, you're, you're a follower. He says, when you come to the altar, and Isaiah's at an altar, and there as you're bringing your sacrifice, and worship is a sacrifice of praise. And there you remember at that altar, as you're worshiping God, and there you remember, bang, the Spirit pops it in your mind. Bang, as He's popped it in your and my mind 50 times before the moment. And you remember as you're worshiping God, me and that person, we don't get along. We don't like each other. We need some reconciliation over here. That person has ought against me because of things I've done or whatever. He says, Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. At that moment, leave the altar. Go make it right. Go make it right. Go ask forgiveness. They may never forgive you, but at least you did your part. Go make it right. Because if you don't, what Jesus is saying is this, that you could spend your whole life, listen, Christian, listen. Listen. You could spend your whole life coming into worship services, singing and thinking that your words are reaching the throne of God and all they're doing is going, boom. Because we've got anger, bitterness, whatever it is towards somebody. Do you know you prove your love for God by proving by your love for others? Did you know that? No, did you know that's the New Testament principle, 1 John? And so you can get unstuck in your life. You can move forward in your life. Now, I'm going to move to the next thought, and some of you are going to say, but that really hit me here, and you're going to forget I said it. Don't forget, because you've got to fix it. Because you've got to move from stuck to unstuck. Okay? Some of you in your marriage, that's the problem right now. Now, the third thought I want to give you is this. Isaiah says in there, okay, here's the transformation. He says, I, I am a man of unclean what? Lips. And then he says right after that, he says, and I dwell in a land of people of unclean lips. You ever think about that? Here's what he realized. Here's what he's telling you and I in his transformation during the worship experience. He's saying, look, I've been affected by the culture all this time. I'm living like the world out there. I'm agreeing with them. See, they're affecting me when I should be what? Affecting them. I'm living like them. And God, now I understand that you want me to change so that I can affect them for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's where you have to learn to be firm, loving, stand firm on what you know to, you know to be true from the scriptures. No matter what the culture says. No matter what's going on, don't worry about being like. Guarantee you, there'll be plenty of people that don't like you. Trust me. Trust me from experience, okay? Be plenty of people don't like you. But you stand firm in that word. That's what he's understanding about his life. This is the big transformation moment. Because if this doesn't happen, then point three never happens in his life. 
And point three is this. It's commission. He's going to be commissioned. Now look at verses uh, eight and nine. Watch this. Here's here's where we're going to bring it in. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? He's hearing God speak. And who will go for us? Say us. Now notice there it is. One God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's the us right there again. Did you catch that? Say amen. Then I said, here's Isaiah, here's the voice of God in a worship experience. He's repented. He says, then I said, here I am, send me. And here's what God tells him. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Now, Isaiah, he's come to this moment. And so uh, now in all this worship experience, he's so in tune with God that he hears the voice of God. And God tells him, the very thing that you and I want to know. God, what do you want me to do? Don't you want to know that? Look, I know I'm supposed to support my family. I know I'm supposed to go to my kids' games. I know I'm supposed to be friends. I know that. But what's that one thing? What's the one thing I'm supposed to do, God? What do you want me to do? Everybody wants to know that. And God's going to tell him. But it happened because Isaiah got, him in, got himself in a position to hear it. Let me tell you how it works. So there's a group of us uh, church people, we, from New Beginnings, we always go to see when, when a superhero movie begins. They open, like typically opening night most of the time. There's about anywhere from 10 to 15 of us that go. And... Um, we go to the theater. My son typically gets the tickets. Nathan, who drummed today. And we want to get the tickets early enough where we get our feet on the bar. How many know what I'm talking about? Because that's the only place to watch a movie, right? Because if you don't get the bar, then it's like, what's the point of a movie? You know? And, and, and so we come, we went and saw The Flash. This was a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was a great movie, personally. But Nathan's sitting here I think Dylan was here, and all the rest of the church people were down the aisle because trying to get... I don't want to see you other than here. No, I'm just joking. I'm, just, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Bad, bad. Uh, so Nathan's here, and in the movie, he starts talking to me, and he's sitting here on this side of me. What's wrong with this side of me? I don't have any low-end hearing. Have you ever heard Nathan talk? He talks with a low voice like this. So he's talking to me while the movie's playing. You think I know anything he's saying? I look, I see him going... It's like he's a third base coach. Give me, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, you know what I have to do to hear what he's telling me? Because I can't hear. And by the way, for those of you in my position, you know what it means when you go out to you with a group of people where you have to sit, huh? How many know what I mean? I have to sit on the far right side and the table goes that way so I can hear everybody. If I sit over here, it's a nightmare. I can't hear it because there's no low end so uh, here's what I have to do in the theater he's talking to me here's what I do in the theater during the movie there's the bar in front of me having a good time he's talking I'm going why is he talking to me but anyway (laughs) he's trying to tell me something about Flash and and I have I do this and I turn all the way in the chair and I'm thinking the people behind me probably thinking what is that moron doing right there the screen is that way okay but that's the only way I can hear him it's the only way I can hear him to hear what he's telling me like and he says I go yeah he goes 
do you, do you like the movie? <laughs> you made me turn, look like a fool just for that? But here's the point, guys. For me to be able to hear what he's saying with all the background noise and the movie going, everything on, I have to pause my life, slow everything down, get in a position to be able to hear Nathan's voice. Correct? That's what worship does. Pauses everything. Get you in the position to be able to hear the voice of God. And Moses is walking through the desert for 40 years and he sees the bush burning and he says, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight that the bush is burning but it's not consumed. He pauses it all. He stops his life. He puts himself in the position to hear the voice of God. And that's what we all want. And he goes up there and he worships God. Now, I'm going to give you the last thought. Ready? Okay. Last thought. So Isaiah, he, um, here's God speaking. God says, who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say? Send me, I'll go. And God says, okay, go and speak to this people. Well, you got to go tell them. Now, think, think, think what just happened. Just think what just happened now. For Isaiah, now to fulfill the call of God is like, and to go speak, what must he use? The very lips that God purified, right? Right? Ah. So the very thing that God purifies that used to be used for evil, wrong, whatever, it's not going to be used for the right things. One day Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. Pharisees are very religious. They, they think they're above everyone. Pharisees, they just want to lecture people. They don't develop Christian relationship. They just want to tell you what's wrong with you, what you're doing wrong. Be careful of them. They're in every church. There's a few of them. So Jesus goes to dinner. And the way they eat dinner is they lie down on their left side, laying down, cushion under their arm, feet sticking out, and the food's here, it's kind of a U-shaped table, and they're reaching over and they're eating like this. Because the servers would come in through the opening of the U-shape. So he's eating. A woman comes in, whom in Luke chapter 7 it says that she's a sinner. Now, when it says she's a sinner, it doesn't mean like you and I were all sinners. It doesn't mean like that. It means she's part of the sinner trades. In other words, she has a job of sin, of which tax collectors were considered sinner trades. You work with dead animal skins, a tanner, that's a sinner trade, and prostitutes are a sinner trade. So you know and you assume that she is a prostitute. She comes in. She bursts into a Pharisee's house. Anything she touches, they, they, it's unclean, it's unclean, it's unclean. And she kneels down in front of him. And she begins to cry over his feet because his feet are sticking out. And she had got a vial of perfume. The, her perfume's like her bank account. This is worth a lot of money. She pours it over his feet. She's still crying over his feet. She takes her hair and she begins to wipe her, his feet and she's repeatedly kissing his feet 
The Pharisees go nuts. They go crazy. And, and they say this. They go, if you knew what kind of woman this is, you, you would not let her do this. You would not let her touch you. You do know? You're, you're no prophet. You're, what are you? And Jesus, calmly, he looks to the owner of the house who invited him, the Pharisee named Simon. He says, Simon, I got a question. You invited me in. You know, when I came in, Simon, you didn't give me the customary kiss greeting. You didn't give me that. You know, Simon, the customary thing was to have a bowl of water so I could wash my feet, and you didn't give me that either. But this woman, since she came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. She has not ceased washing my feet. And then he says, woman, your sins Oh, and I know they are many. And that's what he says, and I know they are many. They're forgiven. Because you love much. Now think, I'm just give you one application from this. As a prostitute, and now former prostitute, but as a prostitute, the tools of her trade are perfume to smell good her lips to kiss this man who's hired her and her hair you bring it down and long hair is the way they'd lure them in with the long hair but she's now walked in in full repentance and all the tools of her trade the perfume her lips her hair are now being used in a positive way to minister to Jesus Christ Isaiah he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He repents. They purify him. And now he says, send me. Because he hears God say, who's going to go? And then he says, I'll go. And he says, they tell him, go and say to those people, go use those lips that you used to use for a negative thing. Now use them for a positive. See, God can take those negative pieces of our life, the things that we thought were just throwaway pieces that, no, 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 no. He can redeem them. He can transform them. And you'll now use them for the kingdom of God. You use them for good things. Good things. That's what only God can do in your life and my life. And somebody here in this room, you feel like, I've, I messed it up too much. He could never redeem it. He could never change. He could never. Oh, yeah, he can. Oh, yeah, he can. If you give it to him, if you give him your life, I mean, surrender it. He could change it. He could take all that negative and make it a positive. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today's the day then. Today's the day to make him your savior. Surrender it and watch what he can do with your life. If you backslid and you thought, I walk, you walked away because like, I'm such a mess. It's okay. God's specialty is messes. Come back because he could, he could do something with it. So I want you to close your eyes right now. Bow your head. Don't move around, please. Don't, don't, don't cause disturbance with somebody else. Here's a holy moment. If you've never placed your faith in Christ and you'd like to, or you backslid and you want to come back to Christ because you know he can pick up the pieces and put it all back together. You realize today, <laughs> I'm ruined. I'm undone. There's pieces missing. There's things that need to be fixed in me. And only God can do that. 
If you want to take, you want to take all the pieces that were used for wrong, now use them for right. Yeah, today's the day, baby. But here's how it begins. You must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You must surrender your life to him and make him the Lord, the God of your life. There is no other. And you must follow what the word of God says for the rest of your life. So if you'd like this, you'd like this forgiveness and transformation and new way of living that God can give you, oh, great then I want you to do this. If you'd like to put your faith in Christ or rededicate your life, I want you right where you're sitting, open up your eyes and look at me right now. I'm going to look back at you in a second and when our eyes have met, you can close them, but do it right now as I look around the room. Just do it now. Now I want you to say this prayer out loud after me, those of you who looked up at me and everyone here is going to say it with you. Christians, say it with them. Repeat this prayer and just believe it. Put your faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, those who looked up at me. Here we go, all of us all together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Dying on the cross for me. Rising to new life to give me that life. Forgive me my sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Take over my life. I surrender. And today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Now allow me to pray for you. God, I pray, I hope, and I pray for you that you continue to follow Christ because he can change it all. Little by little by little, he could change it all. Give him your life, surrender because only he has the power to make the changes that you're looking for I pray you get into the word of God you become a worshiper of God and then watch what God does let no one talk you out of this and you keep your focus on Jesus who's called the author and finisher of faith thank you Lord in Jesus name we pray and we all said amen and amen praise the Lord stand up with me everybody Hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you later. Have a great... Oh, I know. I know. You think I don't know? Wow, what was that back there, man? I felt like I was at home. You didn't take out the trash. You know. Here we go, all together. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. Now we can go. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.